Welcome to the Buck Stops Here, the official audio program of NottonHallofFame.com, and I'm your host, the Buck, Kirk Buckner, the owner and the operator of NottonHallofFame.com, and the sister sites, the Fictitious Athlete Hall of Fame and the Fictitious Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. We're taking the Starship fame over to Maine, but really we're focusing on the state of Colorado and the Denver Broncos. I had the opportunity to speak with Thomas Hall, a writer for Mile High Huddle, and he's written a lot of great articles that I certainly encourage you all to check out. And I spoke with him about Denver Broncos who he thinks are not represented in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, we also talked about the advancement of analytics, something that uh, Mr. Hall is a big proponent of, and it's something that I really wanted to learn more about. So I hope you enjoyed this show, and without further ado, here is Tom Hall. Mr. Hall, thank you so much for being a part of uh, the show. Well, thanks for having me. Yes. Appreciate it. Yeah, so how long have you been a Broncos fan and working for, uh, was it Mile High Report? Uh, it's Mile High Huddle. Actually. Mile High Huddle, sorry we, about um, that. Yeah, that's okay. Uh, I've been a Broncos fan for over three decades, so I, I started watching about the same time, a little prior to when L.A. Uh, became part of the team in 83. So I've been a longtime Broncos fan, and I joined Mile High Huddle uh, roughly almost two years ago now, I believe, uh, if I remember correctly, maybe a year and a half. Um, and we are part of um, SI, so we're a community on SI. So I've um, been doing that, and I love it. And, and uh, one of the things that we're going to talk about also later is, and it's mostly for my, my information, I'm trying to get into football analytics, and I sure. pretty much feel like I've got baseball down. Football is a different story for me, but hopefully at the end of this conversation, I'll feel a lot more comfortable understanding it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I definitely, uh, I'm really big into football analytics. I've been, I've actually been an analyst, uh, many different types, uh, for the last, better part of 15 years. So I've been applying what I've learned you know, in corporate world to my football analytics. So, uh, hopefully I can answer some questions and things will come out. Okay. At the end. I'm sure it will. Uh, so <laughs> what I initially wanted to talk to you about is Denver Broncos, uh, they've been very well represented in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, but there's a couple of missions, I feel, and you being a bigger Broncos fan than myself, as I mentioned to you before, and full disclosure, I'm a Saints fan. We don't have a lot of representation, oh, okay. and nor should we <laughs> at this point. Gotcha. But there's a... There, it was a big wrong was was taken care of in the addition of Steve Atwater. I was convinced I would have bet a lot of money that it was going to be the year for Randy Gratisher, and it wasn't. Yep, I, I was pretty surprised too, especially with the um, the centennial year bringing in a lot of the uh, senior candidates. I was that was a big surprise when he was not selected. And I actually have to disagree with you a little bit because I think that the Broncos were very underrepresented until recently. And I think recently social media has had a lot to to do with it, I believe. People getting in front of the voters, uh, all the fans trying to describe um, why their, their players should be in the Hall of Fame. And I think when you look back at the Broncos' history, you see... Uh, them going to six Super Bowls in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. That's a lot of Super Bowls for one team. And their, their first inductee was John Elway in 2004. So I think with their success and the amount of um, Hall of Fame representation they had for 
up until very recently was was a bit, uh, I think, under underrepresented. They have started to right some of those wrongs. They've got you know, recently we had Champ Bailey and Atwater and a few others have, have come on TD, and that's been uh, that's really kind of brought their numbers up recently. But it's been a long time coming. It's been it's been quite a struggle with a lot of people trying to uh, push some of these players that have been left out. And there are definitely several omissions that are still uh, pretty blatantly wrong, in my opinion. Would but, you would you say that uh, Gratishar is the biggest Bronco snub? I yes, he is definitely the Bronco biggest Bronco snub. I, I actually, if you look at what he did over his career, and you compare it to the other linebackers that are already in the Hall of Fame. He should have been in about a similar time that Jack Lambert went in, maybe a few years after. But he, sh- he sh- we shouldn't be talking about him as a senior candidate. He's the only defensive player of the year from the 70s and 80s who had at least two All-Pros, first team, and at least five Pro Bowls that's not in the Hall of Fame. I mean, this, he wasn't a flash in the pan. He, he, those, those awards uh, show that he had a long career playing at a high level. It's just, yeah, that's the biggest, that's the biggest stuff in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And I, I think many, many people would agree with that. Uh, I'm definitely one of the, one of those people who agrees with that. I actually thought, uh, I, for me, Gratisher was on my more wanted list than Atwater, but I was very passionate about both of them. Yeah, both of them belong for sure. I think, uh, there's a, there's a couple other people that are now in the senior pool. Well, some have been in for a while, but, um, there's some other senior pool candidates that are that are snubs that should have been in a long time ago too. And unfortunately, you know, it's going to be a long wait now that they're in the senior pool, and some of them may not even be around, uh, you know, with us when they actually get selected. And it's, it's a shame. Yeah, and I thought uh, this is just something I've been very vocal about too. I hated, I loved the idea of the centennial class. I was so happy about it, but I hated the way they dragged that out uh, over a two-hour program on the NFL Network. Yeah, I, I actually didn't mind that as much as, as the outcome. I, I felt like they they used it as a time to grab people that they wanted that weren't necessarily that more more fringe candidates. Uh, if you take, you know, they brought Her- uh, Carmichael in instead of uh, Pearson. Uh, I that was a surprise. Like Carmichael's deserving, but I wouldn't say that he was deserving before Drew Pearson got in. That was a surprise. Uh, I also think that when you look at Bill Cowher getting in uh, over Tom Flores or uh, Don Coyell, I, that was a surprise. It was, it, it was almost so. like they grabbed some candidates that they wanted to get in, knowing that these other candidates will get in eventually. And that, was, that to me, was disappointing. My regular co-host on, on the weekly show that we do, Evan Nolan, has said that basically David Baker is making his own case <laughs> to be in the, be in the mm-hmm. Hall of Fame. Because he's getting way too much TV time. Sure. <laughs> yeah, and I think going back to your point with Carmichael, uh, just I think the way they did it, because there's Drew Pearson sort of watching this, and then he sees Harold Carmichael yeah. there. So he's got to know at that point, right. I'm not getting in, but I've got to wait another hour and a half. Right. And and if you just look at the all-decade team from that from the 70s, he was first team, Carmichael was second team. 
but yet they bring Carmichael in before. And and uh, the same with Covert. I thought that was a surprise as well. Like I think there were other deserving players. I mean, Covert definitely could uh, should be in eventually, but not over other players. So I, I thought the Centennial class was just misused for the senior team. I think they I think they should have brought in some more deserving candidates, and then over time, some of these other fringe candidates get in. I mean, I, and I say fringe. I don't really mean that they aren't worthy. I just think that there were better choices and better selections to have before the one, some of the ones that they made. But I do agree with some like yeah, Alex Karras. He, he's been waiting a long time. He should have been in too. So, I mean, I, there definitely were some that they picked that, that uh, were fine, but there were some that just kind of made me scratch my head. Mm-hmm. Beyond Gratishar, there's a few other players that I think uh, should really get a good look at. Who do you feel most passionately after Gratishar? Uh, for the Broncos. Sure. Yeah. Uh, well, my favorite player growing up, Carl Mecklenburg, mm-hmm. he, I, he has been passed over. He's a now senior candidate. Uh, he's somebody that did something that nobody else did or will do again. Probably played seven, all front seven positions at a high level, one of a kind player, you know, over a thousand tackles for his career, over 75 sacks for his career. These are, these are, uh, numbers and that you don't see and something he did I was I just uh, for him not to be in really uh, I don't know really uh, really bothers me because he does he's deserving of that and uh, you know now being in the senior pool it's just you know it's going to be a while, much much longer until until he gets in and that's a shame that's that's my number one after Gratishar but there's a couple others that I think should have been a long time ago that uh, their mission is, is pretty drastic. Um, is, and they've been waiting a long time. Uh, who would that be? So I, I think after, on the same team as Greshar, Louis Wright, uh, he yep. does not get nearly enough credit for what he did. He's probably one of the top 20 cornerbacks of all time. You know, second best player on an iconic defense. Uh, first shutdown cornerback. I, I think that's a travesty that he's not in. He doesn't. He's even been a finalist. So that that's pretty pretty bad. I think um, after him, I would say the next biggest snub uh, would be uh, Lionel Taylor. The guy uh, played for the Broncos in six of his years that he played uh, as a receiver were still in the. Uh, his receptions uh, for that single season and six of those years were still in the top 15 all-time seasons into the 80s. And his number one season was top three, clear into the 90s. This guy was way ahead of his time. Uh, his his uh, reception total stood the test of time for almost three decades after he retired, and yet nothing. There's not any buzz about Lionel Taylor, and that that is a shame. No, and then you're, you're right about the that. There's that, not a lot of buzz on, the, on yeah. those two players at all. Yeah, and I think the one, the biggest travesty that I couldn't believe last year happened was Tom Nalen. He, he didn't even get a nomination last year. And if you line up his, um, what he produced at, from center with another center who played at the same time period who was recently inducted to the Hall of Fame, Kevin Malai, if you line up their... Uh, what they did as far as 
uh, first team all pros, Pro Bowls. He has two more Super Bowls. Moai has zero. You know, how many thousand yard running backs, 2,000 yard running backs they produce? Uh, it's incredible the likeness, yet Nalen can't even get a nomination last year when Mawai was put in, or Maui, I think I'm pronouncing that wrong. <laughs> I think it's pronounced Maui. Uh, wasn't even um, put in, or he was put in right away. I think that's travesty, uh, in my opinion. And yes, Tom Nalen would be waiting a while, but to not even get a nomination, that's, that is pretty bad. So those are those are my biggest snubs um, after Gratishar and Mecklenburg. Yeah, there have been a few uh, some curious things. Overall, I think the Pro Football Hall of Fame compared to other halls of fame in sports, they they do a better job in some in some things. Having said that, there have been times where like nine time Pro Bowl Lomas Brown has not even been a nominee, not even in the preliminary. How does that happen? Yeah, yeah. My my opinion, I think there's just too few voters. Uh, and I think you know people think about there's I think there's 46 total voters, and you get you've got some people that are you know, some of these voters that are all in certain areas, and they get to watch certain players through their career, but they don't see these other players as much. I, I think, and then when they do their process, those fewer voters can kind of tip the scale one way or the other because there's so few voters. So like baseball, and I, I'm, I'm not a big fan of the Baseball Hall of Fame. I think they put a lot of people in you know, that are, were very marginal players. But they have a lot more voters. So you don't get those, um, I don't know, you don't get a few kind of pushing it one way or the other. I don't, I don't know if that would solve the pro football um, issue, but something I think something should change uh, in that regard so that people deserving get in. I actually think the centennial class should have been more senior candidates. I think it should have went with like 20, uh, personally, to get some of these people in. So they're going to be waiting a long time. Yeah, and, and again, that whole thing just was fishy a bit right from the start. As soon as Bill Cowher got in, then you knew right away that Tom Flores or uh, Don Coriel was going to get bumped. I did not think it would be both of them, though. Yeah, I, I don't mind Jimmy Johnson getting it. I think he's deserving, but I think Cower over either one of those other two were, was kind of a slap in the face. I mean, Cower was a good coach, don't get me wrong, but Coriel was an innovator. He changed the game. Uh, it was, you know, what his philosophy is still uh, used today in many different, um, different offenses. And he was way ahead of his time. Yeah, maybe he didn't get a, you know, get. Uh, Super Bowl win, you know, like like Cow or whatever, but that type of greatness should be recognized over just some, you know, some of the on field greatness. If you, when you're talking about coaching, right? I, and and Tom, Tom Flores just has a better resume, in my opinion. No, I, I think agree. He's he's been a travesty. But Flores Flores isn't on TV, right? It's out of uh, out of sight, out of mind, which is what happens with a lot of these senior candidates now. They they've been forgotten about. Like, who remembers Lionel Taylor besides a few Broncos fans? I mean, some some Broncos fans don't even know any of his story. He's just lost. No, and very very few people talk about him. And and frankly, he's probably not going to get in because the longer it goes, the farther he comes out of goes out of memory. Mm-hmm. 
I got, I got a couple names that I want to bounce off you and just uh, get, gather your opinion, whether they're Hall of Famers or not. Uh, going way back uh, on this one, Goose Gonsolin. Yes, he is definitely in my top ten of people who should be from the Broncos should be in the Hall of Fame. You know, the, the, the thing that gets me the most about that is they knock Louie Wright for not having enough interceptions, but they don't give any credit for Goose for being the all-time AFL interception leader. It just it boggles my mind. He, he's deserving. He's, I wouldn't put him in the uh, egregious category. I think he deserves to be in. But, um, yeah, he's, he's kind of gone the same way as Lionel Tato. He's forgotten about him. And, and, and the Pro Football Hall of Fame voters don't really look at AFL uh, very heavily. They, they've tended to shy away from bringing those, uh, those players in for the Hall of Fame, I think. And, you know, and I kind of understand, you know, the 18 league, you didn't have a playoff for, until the very last year, so you know to win a championship wasn't wasn't as tough as it is, you know, you know was in the seventies or eighties and things like that. But when you have somebody that does something in that league that's better than everybody else, they should recognize that. He, I mean, he didn't have his first six seasons. He had um, more than he had six or more picks every season. I mean, that's that's pretty good production. And, and that's the thing with, with both Goose and, and Lionel Taylor, that they, um, they did it with a very poor team around them. They, 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 were, very, they were the stars of a team that was, was pretty bad for a while through the 60s. Yeah, I think a lot of people forget that, especially younger Broncos fans. Yeah, well, I, I don't think, I mean, take a poll of um, you know, most of the Broncos fans, they won't even know who they are. And... Uh, I was talking to somebody the other day about Lionel Taylor and uh, didn't realize how, how incredibly good he was, especially for the time. And the person had been a Broncos fan for a while. So, you know, I never, I didn't watch him. I wasn't, I wasn't even born yet, but I've gone back and, and researched a lot about his, you know, the Broncos history. And all you got to do is anymore is, is read about him on, uh, on the internet. And you can clearly see that they, they had greatness especially for the time. Definitely. And one other player, what did your take on is Rod Smith? I love Rod Smith. Uh, he, <laughs> man, if you could, if you could put someone in the hall of fame for heart, it would be Rod Smith. I mean, the guy never quit on a play. He always went out there, played his heart out. He never ran out of bounds. And, I, and when I was watching him in the, uh, he was one of my favorite players in the, you know, in the early 2000s. So I, I, and I think he's deserving because it wasn't that he just, you know, he has he has the stats, he's got the, you know, two Super Bowl rings, he's got a, he's got enough credit. But the thing that people don't don't understand is he came in as an undrafted wide receiver, so he didn't even get a shot for a while. You know, he had to earn his time on the field. Where if he'd been drafted in the third round, say. He would have got on the field right away. He would have shown that he could have played. He would have accumulated stats much sooner than he did. So his, his stats would have been much higher had he not been undrafted probably. So you got to give him some credit for working his way up and then being great. I think he's a, I think he's a Hall of Famer. I don't, think he'll, I don't think he'll get in, not as more and more um, receivers keep you know, putting up these incredible numbers he's going to get forgotten about, but definitely deserves to be in just, I mean, not just for his heart, but what he accomplished on the field too. Mm-hmm. 
So I want to shift over to analytics. So prior to this, I was reading one of your articles uh, that you did actually it's your pin tweet. And sort of before we go there, how can people follow you on Twitter? On Twitter? Yes. Yeah, it's at Thomas Hall NFL. Okay. And your pin tweet was using analytics for the draft, uh, obviously from a Broncos perspective. And one of the one of the things you were mentioning there is approximate value, uh, which is, I guess, sort of an amalgamated stat that Pro Football Reference uses. Uh, but right. obviously, there's so much more than just approximate value when we're looking sure. at uh, advanced statistics. So, for me, uh, a novice in football analytics, what would be sort of the best thing for me to look at outside of approximate value? Yeah, see, I use I picked approximate value because um, it comes from a, a reputable site, and they they actually um, put out how they came about compiling that. So that's why I use it because you could. It's not great to compare necessarily players across positions, but position by position, you know, you have a reference point in order to compare other players. So that's that's why I use it, you know as opposed to trying to create something myself and, um, um, uh, you know, going through that and trying to explain it all. So I, I, I and, and on top of that, I use it because it's not mine, so I'm not going to be biased. It's what it is, what it is and how, whatever comes up. And then I'll, I'll, uh, I'll use that to, uh, to derive, you know, their players uh, value versus their mean or the mean of, of that position. So that, um, it's not a perfect, not a perfect analytic, and I think I think that's the problem. Uh, as you probably know, with football, is there's there is no perfect solution. Um, there's no stat, there's no uh, analytics, there's no grade out there that works well because you know in pro in pro football or football in general, you've got 22 players that contribute to one statistic on the field versus baseball, where it's usually just the one player can be contributed to that. Uh, or attributed to that stat that's created. So it's not, you know, that, that's the problem, and that's where analytics kind of falls down a little bit in, in football. However, what I, what I, how I feel about analytics and, and the, how it's going to um, really benefit NFL teams, not necessarily the fans, but is to be able to use analytics to apply it to uh, players' tendencies. So, for example... Um, about five years ago, I, I, I compiled all of Philip Rivers' third down passing, um, where, where he threw on what down and distance. And I was able to uh, uh, find a uh, certain distance that he had a tendency to throw to a certain spot on the field. And so uh, proportionally uh, much, much more significant than, than other areas of the field and other downs and distances. So what what the value of that is you can you know, if you're a coach or you're a DB you can see that oh well I'm going to take a gamble because this probably his probability of uh, third and five he's going to throw here uh, to make that you know a turnover or something like that that could change the game and I think that's where analytics is going to come in uh, down the road because you can watch film you're never going to pick that up because I had to compile his you know, in 12 years of stats or whatever, you're not going to watch 12 years of film and look for that specific thing when analytics can do it much faster. So 
that's where I see the benefit, things like that, not necessarily in, in picking a, um, some sort of, uh, metric that someone has come up with to indicate how good a player is versus somebody else. Those, those are, to me, are, um, they're fun to look at as a fan. They're a good reference point. But in the end, they, you know, are they, do they, are they really accurate? Mm-hmm. Are they the most accurate thing you can come up with? I, I go back and forth on it. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things that I'm trying to use with uh, approximate value is I've, another section that I have to update. I did that at the start of the 2019 season. It was to look at the last five players in each position and their, their approximate value per game, so their average, and sure. how many of them are sort of hitting that particular target that the, and, and sort of using that. And I'm wondering if, if that's sort of a good way. It seems to be, seems to be working. It's sort of giving me a, a pretty good idea in comparison. I'm mean, Obviously, what it doesn't take into account over a player's career, like you were mentioning Rod Smith, who for the first three years didn't see, many, see much action except on special teams. Right. So his AV would be very, very low in terms of that per game. Right. And I, yeah, I think you, um, I, I wasn't sure that, uh, that AB was, um, established every game, but I was looking at, um, their each season. But my, my thing on that is if you can establish a baseline, so you can look at the average for the position, say the mean, uh, of that position, the AB of what, Everybody that has played in a certain amount of time that you're looking at, this is the level they're at. If a player is above or below, you can make you can make some um, assumptions that he's he is not as good or he's better than the average. So um, in that way, it works. Uh, I don't know about uh, game guy by game basis. I haven't used um, the approximate value for game by game basis. But what I definitely do is is take it take into account that of um, that value across their entire career. So, you know, if they miss a season due to injury, they, you know, the entire season that they, the pro football reference doesn't uh, calculate their AV for that season. But if you want to know if they, you know, what their value is for their career, you want to include that season because they were injured. If you want to talk about say, how good is, uh, how good has been, you know, this team at drafting. Well, injuries play into that. You know, people get injured and don't play. If they're not on the field, you know, they're a bust, so to speak. Um, so I think, I think, um, game by game basis might be a little harder, but, uh, I haven't done it. I haven't done it on a game by game basis. Mm-hmm. I, I actually feel like a game by game basis. You can watching film is better, but over a, a large period of time, analytics is, uh, faster and more, um, I don't know, more tangible way, to understand certain metrics where you can see a couple things on film and think that that's the way it happens. Um, but in, you know, analytics can shed some light on whether or not that actually does or not over a long period of time. Okay. Uh, and, that, and that's the, that's the problem with analytics. You have to have a big sample size in order for you to be comfortable with the results. Very true. Very true. So other than, uh, I want to close off with this other than Von Miller, which Bronco do you see going into the hall of fame? Current Bronco. Uh, on the current team? Yes. Or is there one? Vaughn, I think, is a lock in my mind. Uh, Vaughn's a lock. In fact, uh, Vaughn's probably going to end up, you know, if his career keeps going the way to top three Bronco of all time, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
if I were to pick somebody based on their production recently, I, I I'm really high on Corlin Sutton. Um, the guy's got great athletic ability, really for his size. Great receiver. He's got the mentality like Rod Smith had to be great. If I was to put a bet on it, I would say of all these players, Corlin Sutton's going to come out as a true great in the end. Will he be in the Hall of Fame? I don't know. Um, he has a good shot. I think um, you know Justin Simmons. If he keeps a, keeps uh, you know going the way he did, he has a shot at it as well. But I, I'm high on on Sutton, and I have been for a while. I just I just love his game. I love the way he plays. I love his mentality. He wants to win every time that ball is thrown to, to him, and that that's the makings for a great player. All right. Well, thank you so much for being a part of this. I'll be reaching out to you shortly once we do the mock uh, mock committee. Uh, for regular listeners, uh, we are planning to do a, pretty much a, a pretend committee on every main sport Hall of Fame, and Tom has agreed to be part of it for the pro football one. So I'm really excited to have you aboard. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. I, I really appreciate it. All right. Thanks so much. Thank you all so much for listening. Look for more content soon at notinhalloffame.com, and stay safe, everyone.